It's 4 o'clock and time for the Calvary Live Show, taking your calls and questions about life, the Bible, and living in Jesus. The number to call is 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to today's edition of Calvary Live. This is the show where you call in and we talk about things pertaining to life and godliness. You can also text me. Uh, on the show. My name is Ed Taylor. I am privileged to be the pastor of Calvary here in Aurora, Colorado. Aurora, Colorado is an eastern suburb of Denver for you guys on the East Coast. So if you want to get your bearings about you, Denver right in the middle of Colorado uh, to the east of the Rocky Mountains, and then Aurora is to the east of Denver, and then right after Aurora are the Plains flatlands all the way into Kansas. And what a joy to pastor here. I have been for the last 18 years uh, and serving the Lord with joy and gladness. Now you've been around, when you're around for that long, you see a lot of great ups and you see a few downs. You minister to a lot of wonderful people. And then there are a few people along the way that, uh, well, they haven't really displayed the the most Christ-like character. And either way, good or bad, we serve the Lord, we point people to the Lord, uh, we give them insight on what the Word of God says, and ultimately, like anyone, we all are accountable to God ourselves. And so maybe you've been around for a while, you go, you know, Ed, I've been around a lot of great believers, I've been around some believers that that really uh, caused great pain or havoc in my life, and ultimately, you just man, you point them to the Lord. I actually wrote a couple of uh, entries on my website on the topic of difficulties with others in the body of Christ. One is on the topic of betrayal. You know, if you look at anything that's happened to you, know that it's happened to Jesus first. I mean, all the way to the cross. Uh, It happened that the unfairness and the injustice in Jesus' life cost him his life. Uh, That was the end result. Most of the time, when we speak of death, uh, we're speaking of our death to ourselves, you know, death, death to <clears throat> our own agendas and our own desires. But Jesus, in a very real way, uh, he gave up his life for the sake of your sins and mine. Isn't that amazing? What a great Savior that we serve. So here are the numbers, 303-690-3000. That's the number to get on the air. 303-690-3000. And then if you want to text me directly, we try to fill in some of the gaps in, in some of the gaps in the show. Uh, if there's a lag in calls or anything, we will fill in with the um, the text questions. Uh, we'll take the text questions and use them for uh, the answers, you know, questions and answers to keep the, the show going. 720 720- Three three six zero eight nine seven. That's the number to text. Three zero three six nine zero three thousand. We had a call that dropped, so call us back. It looks like it was a call on the topic of church government. Church government. That's always a popular question. Uh, it looks like he's back. So let's see. Let's go back and let's just pick up right where we left off with Malcolm on line number one, calling from Denver. Malcolm, welcome to the program. Hi, how's it going, Pastor Ed? It's going great. 
What can I do I for you? I just want to encourage you a lot uh, that I you while I work, uh, and you build my faith like a lot in the Lord. So thank you so much for everything that you do. <sighs> well, you're welcome, bro. That's a that's an encouraging thing to hear. What's up? What can I do for you? Uh, I had a question about church government and the way that okay. they're set up. I know that uh, some, I know most Calvaries do the Moses model. Uh, I, I've heard of something called an Acts 29, uh, and then a couple others. I was just curious as to what the differences are. Well, I think that there are, when you look at church government in the scriptures, there is a um, there is a variety of Greek words that are used to describe the various roles and positions within within the church. From from there, then it's derived uh, as you see different uh, options within uh, church leadership. For example, uh, one of the Greek words is presbyteros, uh, and it has the idea of of a collaborative type of leadership where if if you're looking at the old Acts 29 model uh if you're referring to Acts 29 church planning movement they they advocate a an elder run type of of ministry which many reformed churches today uh are 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 using in their lives you know uh, in their church life where uh it's run by um the the church is overseen by a plurality of elders and then whether they call it the teaching pastor or the lead pastor, uh, he has given a certain amount of, of opportunity to make decisions, uh, but most decisions are made by a vote among the elders. Um, uh, another type of church government that you really don't see in the scriptures is something known as congregational-led churches. That's where the vote isn't among the elders, but actually the church puts the vote among the church of whatever decisions they decide is worthy of a vote, whatever they put into their into their model. And then there's another word that's used. It's called it's the word episkopos. Uh, we get our word episcopal from, and that's actually more of an accurate way of describing the leadership model within Calvary Chapel uh, or other non-denominational uh, churches. Even a few denominations run the, with an Episcopal model. And what that means is, is that there is a person that is, in, that is entrusted with leadership and oversight of other leaders. You know, I know that because Chuck Smith used to use the phrase Moses model and point to the leadership of Moses, it's not exclusive to Moses. Uh, you see the you see the leadership among uh, a, a person all throughout the New Testament, starting with Jesus over the twelve, or Paul over Timothy and Titus as he appointed them, or even teaching Timothy uh, to not not vote on and, uh, and mutually agree on elders, but Timothy was literally to appoint elders. Uh, it was his responsibility, and and even in Acts chapter fifteen, in the leadership in the New Testament, there is a uh, a sense where they come together and discuss things. But who's in charge? But James, James takes this even over Peter uh, and Paul in the relationship of the Jerusalem church, uh, the local body. James was in charge. So there's a plurality of opportunities for leadership. Uh, and some of, to me, when I look at leadership, I, I'm not so interested, I'm not so much interested in the model, uh, because any model is going to be flawed by the people that hold the positions. So some people trust this, trust the model more than they do the character of the people that they put in them, uh, put in those positions. 
Uh, and you know we've seen great success in different models, and we've seen great failure in different models, and it always comes down to the person in charge. Uh, and it's become a big, you know, big topic and a and a big uh, difficult uh, argument among churches today. What it really doesn't need to be. And here at Calvary, uh, we we hold to an episcopos model or a pastor led model, but not with, sometimes that's thought of without accountability. People don't say it, but they kind of think it. Well, if it's a pastor led, then where's the accountability? Well, the accountability in our model is our board of elders. Um, I'm not a. I don't have you. I don't have the the ability to uh, uniformly make every single decision that's to be made. I'm also accountable to a board of elders, and we also have a board of spiritual elders known as our pastors that oversee the ministry here. So it's not without accountability, uh, even as people may disagree with the form and function of a particular of a particular style of government. <clears throat> okay. If you remember back in Acts 29, one of the people in the Acts 29 movement, the most popular guy was Mark Driscoll. Uh, he's the one that really advocated uh, this new wave of, of, of elder-run leadership uh, and a, a new uh, young and restless Calvinistic uh, theology. And even within that framework, um, the Mars Hill Church Network fell apart, even with elders uh, running it because of well, because of the character of the people that were actually in the positions of leadership. So that's kind of a quick overview. I did a, I did a deeper study on this in First Peter chapter 5, where Peter's talking about um, shepherding the flock of God when you use the word pastor, elder, overseer. So I did a much deeper study on that. If you're interested, you can, you can listen to it. I would add one more thing. Um, th there's a form of leadership in the last 20 years that has really become popular, uh, and that's the that's the CEO business model of church leadership. Um, that one I wouldn't advocate at all. Uh, I don't see it in the scriptures. Uh, I don't see it as a spiritually functional way to oversee the church. But many churches today are just run by as businesses. They're run with um, you know CEOs, CF chief financial officers, and they they kind of run them. There are business aspects to the church for sure. Uh, but it's not a corporation uh, to be run. It's it's an organism that God oversees, and He's ultimately the the true shepherd over all of us, no matter what form or function that we choose. Uh -huh. All right, thanks, Pastor. Hey, great question. God bless you, man. Yeah, you as well. Bye bye. 303-690-3000 is the number. We're going to pick up in Colorado Springs. It looks like it's Mike. Mike, welcome to the program. Hi, Pastor Ed. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? Oh, pretty good. Just wanted to say uh, thank you for uh, the bold spirit that the Lord has blessed you with. And uh, um, you had gave a sermon um, that I heard on the radio about um, with a Samson um, recently. Is that correct? Yes. It, uh huh. Yeah, it was a great uh, a great teaching, and it kind of reminded me of. Uh, some past experiences I had, and uh, pretty much everything you said matched up scripturally with, like, what I went through, and, you know, in my uh, early walk, and kind of hitting rock bottom, and being siphoned by uh, an avid marijuana user, <clears throat> yes. and um, kind of getting sucked into influences by my friends, uh, you know, when you gave that, that sermon, I just wanted to maybe share something of my own life. 
um, if, if that's okay. Sure, go ahead. So, um, <clears throat> you know, I struggled really hard when when God was trying to clean me up, and I had complicated my life, and God wanted to simplify it, you know, and by hitting kind of the bottom, you know, <laughs> it doesn't get much yeah. more simpler than that. But, you know, I... Uh, like most people, I had idolized my uh, my friends, and um, their opinion weighed more than the, the cost of my own soul. And not not realizing the damage that um, that that, uh, that idolization and holding their opinions of me uh, deeper than uh, you know God the Father. So I just want um, people to know and understand that you know that that darkness and stuff that, you know, we might be um, sucked into sin and different things like that, that, um, you know, that there is hope that, you know, your life might become uh, somewhat lonely through having to uh, no longer entertain a group of people you might be surrounding yourselves with because of drugs or whatever it might be. But, you know, um, you know, God can lift you through it and, and through that make you much stronger and, uh, you know, any walk with uh, God next to me, it's not lonely. You know, Amen. but going into Amen. it, you know, I never saw a life without those people. And I, I held merit to what they thought and their influences. Like, you had made something, said something like, you go to church, and, you know, the next night or later that night, someone calls you up and, you know, wants you to go party. And it's so true. And the spiritual realm that we don't see, I mean, that is exactly the equation of, of how it happens. And unfortunately, we live in a society of, uh, you know, it, it kind of reminds me if we were, you know, back a couple thousand years ago or something, where um, really only time uh, people, like, had paintings up was kings, queens, and, you know, uh, people that um, had some sort of, you know, higher echelon as far as uh, society goes. But now we have you know, things like Facebook and everything that, you know, can be used for good, but it can also kind of tear people into a, a place that they don't realize what they're idolizing and, and holding right. merit and certain things that they shouldn't. No, it's so true, you know, and I think that as we, as you, as you, as you are learning, our relationship with Jesus Christ is fluid and there's progress going forward and sometimes there's progress going backwards Sometimes there's an addition of great things or a subtraction of things that aren't good or uh, it, it's fluid and that's that's sometimes it's stagnant. Sometimes we're making great progress, you know, or as one pastor used to say, we take three steps forward, but two steps back and oh, Lord, we just we pray for his strength uh, and his help to to really uh, keep us moving forward because, you know, he's coming back. Ultimately, that's the reality. Jesus is coming back. And we want to be ready, and we want to share the love of Jesus with as many as possible so that they, too, would be ready. Amen. God bless you. And, uh, you know, I, I think we're all a work in progress. I know, I know I am, and I feel like I'm at a point where I've kind of complicated my life. And even, you know, like, you know, I know certain things that kind of, you know, maybe become too fleshly. So um, if I might ask you, just maybe say a prayer that, you know, God help get my priorities straight and um, seek seek the kingdom first, I'd appreciate it. Yeah, let's do that. Father, I pray for my friend Mike and the work that you're doing in his life. First, we want to express our love and appreciation for you, God, that 
that you would remove some of these influences in his life that that he had uh, propped up to a position even above you, God. And it's hard for us to even to, to even consider that we would do that, uh, that we would put people ahead of you or or things ahead of you or goals ahead of you. But but we do, God, and we ask for your forgiveness and your, your mercy upon our lives that that day by day and moment by moment, my brother Mike would live in such a way to 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 submit himself to you, uh, that he would live in such a way that he would enjoy you, uh, living a life of of obedience, taking the steps that are before him, uh, and establishing him in his walk. Lord, bless him and encourage him, and may many people be encouraged by his testimony of the hard decisions that he's needed to make, but the fruit that came. Uh, the immediate blessing that came by obeying you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And thank you, Pastor, and thank you for uh, preaching to save souls, not not for uh, catering to what people want to hear. That's, that's a huge blessing. Uh, keep, thank you. Keep praying for me. Thanks, Mike. Bye-bye. Amen. 303-690-3000. We have one open line. We're going to move on over to New Jersey now. Jessica is calling from New Jersey Jessica, welcome to the program. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you doing? All right. Um, so I was calling because I tried to consider myself walking with the Lord for a while. Okay. Um, but I've really struggled a lot. And, okay. like, I guess I thought I got saved at 16, but then I fell back into, like, old habits, and now I'm 24. And I really want to walk with Jesus properly, but I feel like I've messed up so much. And then I, I, I guess I might complicate things. Like, now I think, oh, maybe I need to get or really saved, and I wasn't really saved that whole time. Oh, and now I need to get baptized again. And I just don't want to feel—I don't know if—I don't want to follow my feelings, and I want to make sure that— God's really working in me, or maybe I, I have been saved this whole time, and I've just been really hard-headed and really stupid, but I really don't know what to think, and I don't know what God thinks of me or what He would think of me at this point, and it makes it harder to make any steps forward because I want to make progress, but I don't know what to do. Well, it's a, it's a great way that you described it, and I'm, I'm thinking of, of a couple things, uh, because when when you repented of your sins at 16 and you received the free gift of salvation from Jesus Christ his finished work on the cross as god conducted that spiritual transaction in you uh, i believe you were saved i believe you're pointing to a time in your life when your your life was radically changed the way that des- jesus describes that is that you were born again and you were no longer living for your sin, living for or in your sin, you really made a decision to cooperate with God and submit your life to Him. Is that what happened when you were 16? Yeah, it was, and it was really amazing. I, I really wanted to live for Jesus, and but again, I went to college, and I just did really stupid stuff, and even recently I feel like my heart has been hard toward God, and I don't want it to be anymore, and you know, I'm like, why would a Christian's heart be hard toward God? You 
And that's a good question. So, so let's think about. Let's ask a couple questions to 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 develop a to develop a theology, if you will, what the what the Bible teaches. So let me ask you this question: Is it possible for a born again Christian to sin? Yes or no? Yes. Is it possible for a born again Christian to uh, get mad at God? Yes or no? Yes. Is it possible for a born again Christian in relationship with God to do really stupid things? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you were on the same page and I think I think your answers even though they're a little bit hesitant are in line with what the Bible teaches. For example, um are, are your mom and dad still alive? Mhm. And yeah. uh do you do you live with them still? No, I don't. I live with my husband. Oh, you're married. Okay. So so let's go back. Do you have kids of your own? No, we don't have children yet. Okay, so let's go back to your parent um, illustration, your parents. Um, did you do any dumb things as a kid? Yeah. You ever get mad at your parents as a kid? Yes. You ever feel like running away? I think every kid goes through that, but you ever feel like just like, I'm just going to go and I can live somewhere else because I hate it here? Oh, yeah. That's right. At any time during those feelings you had with your parents, did you ever stop being their daughter? No. Was there actually anything you could do to ever stop being their daughter? No. What if you even denounced them? You went down to the New Jersey courthouse, you filed a petition to separate from your parents, and you wanted the courts to declare that you're emancipated and you don't want anything to do with your parents. Would that have stopped you from being their daughter? No. Why? Uh, well, that's biologically. But it's relationally. Like it's I feel like it's different with God. You can denounce it, it, Christ. You can denounce Christ, and if you do, that only proves that you were never with him to begin with. Like if, if a person falls away from Christ completely and denounces him, becomes a Satan worshiper, uh, all the Bible ref reflects upon that relationship that they really never were saved to begin with. But the, the descriptions that you're giving... Um, when you think biologically, don't think of biologically, think of relationally. Yeah, that, that relationship with your parents, in your case, was defined biologically. But for someone like me who was adopted, I was adopted in my family. My parents adopted me from an adoption agency. So I don't have that biological connection to them. I have the same connection you had with your parents, minus one, and that was a love connection. They accepted me as their son. They defined me as their son. They treated me as their son. And I guess you could use, you know, legally, you could use biologically, but the reality is it's relationally I was their son. Just like relationally you were their daughter. And the same transaction takes place between you and your father in heaven, except it's spiritual. It's a spiritual transaction, which is even deeper than biology, where God is adopting us into his larger family, and by, defin by his definition, we are his children. And his children, I have come to find out, can do a lot of really bad, um, mean-spirited, hurtful things, God's children. Uh, and, and you have gone through a stretch now, you know, eight years of ups and downs and some really bad decisions and some really deep regrets. But for someone like you, Jesus gave a parable and it was the parable of the prodigal son. Do you remember that parable? Mm-hmm. And the son went off and did his own thing and wasted all his dad's money 
and came to find out that the party life wasn't for him. And what happened? He went home. And he went home to who? His dad. And he was willing to go home, just be a servant. He was willing just to go, and I'll, I'll, I have a better life if I was just a servant in my dad's in my dad's house. But that's not how his dad treated him. His dad treated him as a son because he was a son. Never in all of his bad decisions ever did he ever stop being a son. And that's the same with you. Never in all of your bad decisions did you ever stop being a daughter. You just weren't acting like one. And so what what is it today that that's drawing you what what is it what's happening in your life right now that's drawing all of this out of you? I don't know. That I just know it's not right. It's not working. So you just had you had this sense it's did you say it's not working? Mm-hmm. I, I would agree. We, we, we chase after so many things in our lives thinking that we're going to get the peace, the satisfaction, the contentment, and everything that we have by relationship with our Father, and it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And God is calling you back to the place of... Rip- you don't need to be baptized again, and you don't need to be saved again, but you do need to be in a place of repentance again. Remember what Jesus said to the church in Ephesus? He said that they had left their first love. They had left that passion of their first love, and his instruction to them in Revelation 2 was to remember from where they had fallen, to repent, and to return or repeat the first works. And that's where God has you right now. Yeah. Even as in your, even in your marriage, I'm going to hold this call to because we're almost up on the break, so I'm going to hold this call in a moment so we can... We can. I'm going to let you think about it during the break, and then we'll come back. But even in your relationship with your husband, and we don't need any of the details, but when you guys go through those rough patches and you go through those difficult times, you're still married. Mm-hmm. You're just not enjoying the benefits of marriage because that's what sin does. It destroys our, our relationship. And God is working on you. And and now in this season, as you're maturing, both you're, you're maturing as a young woman and also you're maturing in your thought toward God, your thought in relationship toward God. It's not religion. It's not a religious relationship where you go through the motions and you repeat a few things to be a good little girl, but rather it's a relationship. It's up and down. It's strong. It's weak. Uh, it is progressive and it's backwards like the caller we had earlier um as you were listening online on on hold you know the brother that just called in where he had to separate for some old friends uh, because his old friends were pulling him away from relationship and he was invested in them more than he is invested in god so i'm gonna i'm gonna ask uh i'm gonna ask frank to put you back on hold and then We've got about two minute break in between, and then we'll come back and we'll let you think it through and then follow up. Is that all right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Frank, could you put her on hold for me? You're listening to Calvary Live, and we're talking about relationship today. It's been a couple calls now on uh, what what it is about relationship, and we have <clears throat> Jessica calling in from New Jersey that we're going to continue on the other side of the break, uh, just talking about the the reality of drawing near and and looking back at, at her life and thinking of the mistakes that were made and, 
And, and what do I need to do? Do I need to be saved again? Do I need to be baptized again? What do I need to do in order to become a stronger in my relationship with God? It's a good question. That's why I want to hold her over to the second half of the show. Give me a call, 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000. I, I know you guys are burning up the text line. I haven't been able to get to any of them yet, um, but I see quite a few texts coming through. Um, prayer for a new job. Uh, we were coming into the Denver area. I saw that prayer with Eric. I heard that last week. Um, there's a question about Jesus fulfilling the law. Um, he, What does it mean? He is... Uh, he is the completion of the law. He is the only one ever to completely keep it. And does that mean the Jews no longer have to follow the law? Correct. That's exactly what it means. Now life is by faith in Jesus Christ, the only one, the lamb that takes away the sins of the world. But we'll get back to some of them. Uh, this is Ed Taylor, pastor at Calvary in Aurora. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Call us with your questions about life, the Bible, and living in Jesus right now at 303-690-3000. Welcome back, everyone, to the second half of today's edition of Calvary Live. My name is Ed Taylor. I'm taking your calls and your questions. And you want to call 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000. You never really know where the theme of a show is going to go. Uh, we don't start out with a theme and then get you talking about it. We just let it develop uh, from what's going on in your heart and let the Spirit of God lead. And today's theme seems to be this intimacy or closeness in relationship with God. And we're going to go back to a phone call in New Jersey. Uh, Jessica is on the line with us. Jessica, are you still with us? So you had a couple minutes to think about it, kind of think through some of the things I shared. Do you have any follow-up or anything that is on your mind in follow-up? Um, I don't know. I I guess I just think it's been a really long time. And I don't want to make it complicated if it doesn't have to be. But I also know that, I don't know, if I've, I've repented a couple times this week and I still don't feel any different. Like, I still right. feel kind of hard, but I'm, like, trying to read through it because I know I'm not supposed to just depend on my emotions, but I'm, like, scared if my emotions don't match what I know in my head, then it's not true. What is what, what is it that in your life that is making you so hardened toward God? Why, why are you mad or hard? Um, I guess because I was going through a lot of stress and I felt like I was doing it by myself, so that kind of snowballed into this. And I just have been reevaluating everything. And I'm like, I keep teeter-tottering with God. And I know that's not right. And I've, he's never faltered me before. It's all me. And I'm just being really stupid. And that I don't want to be anymore. You know, I want to be like Paul or like Peter. And just, or like the prodigal son. We talk about that all the time. But that guy, he turned back one time. It doesn't say he went back and forth. I just want to go home with Jesus and yes. be on Python. Jesus, and that's what I want mentally, but I feel like my heart is so hard and frustrated that I keep fighting myself all day. 
Well, I think we need to be realistic because as we, as you're thinking this through, because uh, in a daily, on a daily basis, even the strongest of believers have doubts. They have feelings that overwhelm their knowledge because you hit it on the head. So much of our, so much of our difficulty in relationship is when our feelings are different than our knowledge. Uh, a lot of times we, we really listen to our feelings more than we listen to facts. And that's just the reality of it. I mean, that, that is, you know, you, you and I can be so easily overcome by feelings. And if we yield to our feelings, then we're no longer living by faith. We're no longer living by the facts or what the Bible would call the truth. And then we're tossed to and fro by, you know, and it goes both ways. We could be tossed by, I'm super happy today, so everything's great. When in reality, everything's not great. Or I'm super sad today, and our conclusion is everything's horrible. Well, in reality, everything's not horrible. Uh, it's usually somewhere in the middle, because if you if you want to be like Paul and you want to be like Peter, then one thing you're going to notice is that every person in the Bible has had a hard life and a difficult life, and they wrestled. Even Paul, you say, I want to be like Paul. Well, Paul's the one that wrote to us in Second Corinthians. He, he wrote, if you remember, he asked God, he was in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he was just so messed up. In verse 7 it says, Lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. I mean, this brother is going through it. Whatever this thorn is, you know the idea of the thorn we get we kind of in our mind think it's a little thorn on a rose bush but this was a a few inches the kind of thorn that would be described like a a stake you know a a, a tent stake or a large nail um just slammed into your side like he was going through it it was so much so he says concerning this thing i pleaded with the lord 3 times that it might depart from me and he said to me my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And that, that's the lesson that we learn. Every true believer in Jesus have gone through trials and difficulties, and your step, you, you returning to God after all these eight years, um, all you returning to God is just a decision away. It's just... It's time to come back. You come back with all your messed up feelings. You come back with all of your hardness. It doesn't mean, you know, coming back and, and de developing your relationship with God doesn't mean your hardness is going to go away right away. I mean, it can, but it doesn't necessarily mean because, look, it's taken all these years to feel like God abandoned you or feel like God wasn't there with you or going through this stressful situation and you're like, I'm all alone and and while you were feeling that, you know it wasn't true, but the feelings, like, they're real. And, and layer after layer after layer has been put on your, on your spiritual heart. And you just trust that with God, and, and you come back. You come back to him. It's not, yeah. what, it's, not the, it's not all on your shoulders. You come back to your father, and he will take care of you. That's what he promises. Okay. 
Is your husband, does your husband have a relationship with Jesus? He does, and I think I'm stressing him out because of my stress. (laughs) He's praying for me. Good. All the time. Well then, you know, you probably are stressing him out, and you're probably stressing yourself out. It sounds like, the way you describe it, you know, your mind's always thinking, you're always wanting a place of comfort and ease, and so your mind races around until you find a place where you can feel comfortable and then you feel comfortable for a little bit, and then you find out that God's not even there. And you're like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? And then uh, if I have this over here, and I got this in control, and I've got this in control, and then I'm going to feel really good. But in reality, you just have to acknowledge that you have nothing under your control, and that you're going to trust God with your life. Yeah. Sounds like it. Can I pray for you? Father, I pray for my sister Jessica, and it's a much deeper, uh, we know, God, there's so much more deeper intricacies in in her heart and in her mind, um, and the complexities of her life, and and how you created her, um, how much you know her and love her, and even with the way her mind thinks, and even with all the different areas that her mind rambles and, and goes over here and stresses out over there and worries over here and is anxious over there, Lord, that that you would deliver her from this, this feeling of having to control everything and have everything in order and have everything explainable and that you would give her such a heavy conviction of the sin that she's been holding on to against you, God, against you holding on and, and not letting go, not yielding herself to trust you and to live for you and to live with you. And I pray for her husband as he prays for her and loves her, and just such a great demonstration in so many ways of being patient that that God, as Jessica's working these things out, that she would just, just decide to follow you, just decide to return to you, to decide to be who she already is, your daughter, the affection of your love, the one to whom Jesus gave his life for, uh, that she would just yield and surrender. Um, we often talk about commitment, Lord, but but I'm just thinking of surrender where you, she just gives up, throws her hands up and says, I love you, God, and I trust you, and I'm going to believe you at your word. And even when my feelings don't agree, I'm going to believe you, God, and I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to follow you, and I'm going to express your life through my life. And so, God, I pray that you would Encourage my sister, just with this little phone call, Lord, the the seeds planted in her heart that your Holy Spirit will use to encourage and build her up. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Call us back in a couple weeks and and see where you're at. Okay, thanks, Jessica. Bye-bye. 303-690-3000 303-690-3000 is the number. And those of you listening in, uh, the reality of this last phone call, why we spent a little bit of extra time, is that uh, I'm finding this more and more to be the consistent theme in people's lives. Um, the consistent theme of of this defeated, difficult, uh, I, I don't know how to get out of this, my heart is hard, uh, my feelings are one thing, but I know I have this belief, the other, and, and it's turmoil. Um, It it is a common description or a common outgrowth of the description that's given 
in Galatians where the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh, the two are contrary to one another. <clears throat> so you do not do the things that you wish. And it's it's just an, a very common, common thing. And may the Lord help you to return to the Lord. 303-690-3000. Uh, let's go over to line number two is KC in Baltimore, Maryland. KC, welcome to the program. Hi, thanks for having me. You're welcome. What's up? Um, well, I've been studying Galatians, specifically false prophets. Um, okay. I was brought up Seventh Day of Venice, so I'm always um, I'm always a little bit extra uh, diligent about studying that sort of thing. And yes. I understand the um, I understand what it's saying, um, you know, on top about you know not following people who are something. Um, and how to understand what false doctrine. I, I think I've got a bit of a handle on that. What I wanted to ask you, though, is how I could apply that to my life so that I might not be um, a false teacher not knowingly, unknowingly, maybe um, doing things, or, I don't know, for instance, you know, I just, I just wanted to see what you thought I should maybe avoid or, or try to do so that I don't put myself in that position without, well, real, I think without a, really wanting to be. There's a big difference between teaching something falsely or making a mistake, which we all do, and being a right. false teacher. And as long as we make that distinction, then it'll make room for you to be mistaken on certain things. You know, I've been a Bible teacher for 25 years, and who knows, really, how many mistakes that I've made in handling a text or mishandling a text and uh, not not significant theological errors or or things that would misrepresent who God is or the character and nature of God, um, but things in my life, you know, where I might have said something wrong or I might have missed the context of a, of a text. And the greatest way I believe that we avoid becoming a false teacher is to handle the Word of God with integrity and fidelity and allowing it to speak for itself rather than appealing to a person or appealing to someone more than you appeal to the Bible. You know, there are theological systems where the person that created that system is actually more important, or at least if you listen to their Bible studies, they sound more important than the Bible itself. Uh, and they'll say, well, so-and-so said this, and, and our system of theology means this. And, and you go, well, wait a minute, the Bible doesn't say that. I mean, if you read it, the Bible says this. Uh, and, and then their response is, well, you don't understand. That's not what it really means, because I, our teacher taught us that it means this. And it's just, we have to be careful to make, make the Bible the preeminent text and the Holy Spirit the preeminent teacher in our lives. And because you make a mistake or you mishandle a text doesn't mean you're a false teacher. It, it might mean you need to correct a mistake that you made, but it doesn't okay. mean that you're a false teacher uh, necessarily. I mean, false teachers are defined by being liars and manipulators and taking advantage of people uh, and hurting people. You know, if you read through um, the, the false teachers of Jesus' day where he described them with the words woe, 
uh, in Matthew's Gospel, in Matthew 23, I mean, look at some of the things that he says. You, you'll find out how, if you go through Matthew 23 and just look at the things that he condemned the Pharisees, this particular group of Pharisees, you know, he says, You're, you guys are hypocrites. Uh, woe to you. You shut up the kingdom of heaven against men, and you don't even go in yourself. Woe to you guys. You steal from widows. Uh, woe to you guys. Um, you will try to win people over to your system of thought, but then once you do, you send them to hell just like you. Um, I mean, he's got serious, heavy condemnations to the false teachers of, in his day, and the, the greatest way for you to, to avoid and for me to avoid becoming a false teacher is staying close to Jesus and making sure that, that your life is, is close and intimate with his life because that's that's the that's ultimately w- who we are. Um, we are an outgrowth of our relationship with Jesus Christ. Okay, thank you. So there's definitely a distinction that makes me feel more. If I make a mistake, you know, that's not necessarily meaning that I'm one of those false prophets. <laughs> Right, because you're going to make mistakes all the time, and 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 I think it's good that you um, that you mention your connection to Seventh Day Adventism because uh, the extreme of those with within right. Seventh Day Adventism are are going to uh, are going to um, elevate Ellen G. White. I mean, that's all you're exactly. going to hear, yeah. and she's been proven to be a false prophetess, uh, and. Uh, in many of her writings, and and the more somebody elevates Ellen G. White above Jesus, then you just know, you know what? I'm not going to follow that. Um, right. I'm, I'm not going yeah. to follow the teachings of a man or of a woman. And and so I think from your perspective, you know, being super sensitive to the way you were raised and your ba- your upbringing, that there's a significant uh, difference. Even even Peter made a mistake. Remember, even Peter had to be rebuked for playing the hypocrite. Um, it, it, it just was yeah. a mistake that he made. Um, it wasn't, it, it wasn't, um, a complete, uh, disregard of his entire ministry. He just became hypocritical toward the Gentiles, uh, and Paul had to call him on it and he corrected it and moved on. Thank you so much. That, that's very helpful. <laughs> well, great, great question. Thank you. Have a good okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. 303-690-3000 is the number. We're going to move on to line one is Bianca. Bianca, welcome to the program. How are you doing, Pastor Ed? I'm good. I'm doing well. Well, I have a prayer request. I have been experiencing some deep confusion in my life these past few weeks. I... I'm not really sure what the Lord wants me to do, and I would just like some prayer because I've been this way for, like I said, a few weeks. I've been doing certain things for the Lord, and and somehow I don't really feel a peace about them, and although I know we're not supposed to rely on feelings, I mean, I'm just going through a time of deep confusion, and I just, I just need as much prayer as I could get. Okay, let's pray right now. 
Father Bianca, your daughter uh, is tossed and turned in her mind. And the confusion that she is living with right now is, is to the point where she's asking for relief, God. She's asking for clarity in her mind to think straight, to think straight on these particular things that are in her mind, these particular things that she's going to the left on or to the right, and sometimes it's up and sometimes it's down. And um, Lord, I pray that you would minister your your love into her heart, God, that you would serve her in, in a way that would draw her closer to you, uh, that you would lift the fog, you know, that that sometimes confusion just feels like a fog where we can't see clearly. And I know that your your heart and your love uh, is exactly the solution and the antidote to um, to where she where she is and where she needs to be. And so I just pray you'd encourage her, strengthen her, Lord, that you would fill her with your Holy Spirit uh, and overwhelm her, overwhelm her with a uh, a reality, a reminder. Uh, of and even replacing her feelings with your presence, Lord, your presence, and so strengthen her in Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Thanks a lot. Bye. You're welcome. Bye bye. Three zero three six nine zero three thousand is the number. Three zero three six nine zero three thousand. Let's move on to Dominic from Lakewood, Colorado. Dominic, welcome to the program. Thank you, Pastor Ed. Uh, You're welcome. What's up? Uh, I just, I, I guess I wanted to uh, call in and, and give uh, Jessica and, and I guess now even Bianca a little bit of encouragement because, um, so so like Jessica, I, I spent about uh, a little over seven years probably uh, away from the Lord, so I walked away from the Lord and, and I was not being obedient and then uh, just recently um, started seeking Him more uh, because I had come to an to an end it spiritually, uh, maybe not, you know, nothing tragic or anything. It just, just like Jessica, it just wasn't working. So, um, but I'd come to an end and, uh, started seeking him and his word and, uh, in prayer and, um, and fellowship. And it, uh, it seemed to, his, his spirit just broke through in my heart. And yes. and um, he gave me the uh, scripture of uh, Jeremiah twenty nine thirteen, of uh, you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with with all of your heart and yes. and so that's what I did I, I I sought him out with all of my heart and he answered and uh, it it wasn't that I didn't know him before but it's uh, the relationship that I have with him now is so much deeper and uh, it's just. So much stronger than it ever has been, and and it was all because because he was faithful and and what he did in my life, and and so I just I just wanted to encourage both of them that uh, you know don't give up, keep seeking him, uh, stay in fellowship with other believers, stay in his word, and stay in prayer even when you don't feel like it. Because um, yes. even even after. Uh, my relationship with has been strengthened with him. Uh, he used actually used me to lead my uh, nine year old son <laughs> to Christ, which was amazing. Wow. So that is amazing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, and that that was amazing. But even since then, uh, we've we've both been experiencing um, just uh, really heavy um, times of doubt 
and uh, it, it's just uh, he he was doubting to the point that he he had never felt the whole, like he he knew that he had felt the presence of the Holy Spirit, and he he knew that he had heard from God, but uh, he burst into tears because he didn't know. Uh, because he doubted, uh, like the doubt was was there uh, so strongly in his heart, and so we prayed about it together. We were in the Word together, and uh, and the Lord just broke that doubt. He he broke that doubt from him, and I know that He can do it with them too. Uh, it's just it's just a matter of of clinging to Him and and seeking Him above all else, and uh, I know that He will deliver them because He is faithful and just to do that. Yes. Well, that's great. Thanks for your insight. Yeah, absolutely. And and thank you, Pastor Ed. You were actually one of the tools that he used to uh, to encourage me and and my uh, time of and my relationship and coming back to him. So I, I appreciate well, thanks, everything man. that you do. And um, thank you. Thank you. God bless you, brother. God bless you. All right. Bye bye. Three zero three six nine zero three thousand is the number. It looks like we have time for another call. Let's move on to line number one. Is Kimberly? Kimberly is calling from Eagle, Colorado, or Eagle County? I'm not sure. Kimberly, welcome to the program. Hi, how are you? Um, Good. Yeah, Eagle, and calling Eagle. from. And I just wanted to call and encourage Jessica um, in New Jersey. I just <clears throat> felt really aligned with her heart and some of my walks and struggles. Um, just in the Lord and <clears throat> coming to Christ as an adult. Also, um, it's just striving. We just strive. There's this um, almost like a sense of perfectionism or just striving to be better. And there's just, there's not any specific way, um, any, you know, equation that will lead us um, deeper relationship with the Lord other than just getting in His, right. to, in his Word. And um, I just had a sense that, you know, even when it's so hard to come to the altar and surrender, we don't have to. We just have to surrender our hearts, and He will take us to the altar. And um, yes. I, I just <clears throat> can relate so much to her walk, and I just wanted to encourage her that, you know, stay true in the Word and just your friendship, and you're awesome to have a husband who's, you know, praying for you. And, um, yeah, I just I just wanted to encourage her to continue on. And it's the first, maybe her heart doesn't feel led to... Um, she's not having those feelings, but she's surrendering right now by just that's right calling in and and talking about it. So yeah. it's a huge step to to go on uh, a national radio program and express some of those deeper weaknesses in our lives. Absolutely, and it's a great victory to do that. And I just yeah, and I know I in my my word of the year last year was rest, and it took yes. me until November to understand that I was striving so hard mm. and opposite of rest is striving and the opposite of striving is rest and so um i can't think of the scripture right now off the top of my head but matthew um come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden yes that yeah. you know god's got it he wants us to be there and it's a sweet sweet spot to be That's i agree yeah well thank you yeah absolutely all right be encouraged Bye-bye. thank you Hey, we're coming up to the end of the program today. Jared, I see your phone call on here. You might want to call back tomorrow. Uh, We aren't going to have time for you today, your question on fallen angels. And I saw through the text messaging, you guys that text, uh, we're going to pray through those. There's quite a few prayer requests, uh, praying for family and a brother with an incurable disease. We're going to pray for that. Uh, We've got some Bible questions here in uh, Revelation 
um, once saved, always saved. Just I, I don't like that phrase. Um, I prefer to refer to the Bible in the nature of salvation, and nature of salvation is eternal. Uh, it's not temporary. Uh, so God is the author and finisher. What he began, he'll complete. Uh, I'd rather trust him with my life rather than a doctrine uh, or some man-made doctrine. Here's another one, praying for a marriage to be restored. Uh, we talked about that one. So Lord, I pray for this uh, person that needs a new job. Uh, I've been searching since September. God, I pray for a marriage restoration. The wife wants a separation. Um, they've got kids involved. I pray for the hard hearts that are involved. Been quite a few hard hearts ministering in our own congregation, Lord, where they're just so far from you. Pray for this family and brother diagnosed with the incurable disease, Lord. We just we come to you and ask that our our lives would would be laid before you, and that our lives would be lived in trust and faith and hope, uh, that you would pour out your Spirit upon us, Lord. We trust you and love you, in Jesus' name. Come on out to service tonight. We're in First Kings. Got an update from a brand new missionary uh, mission in Mexico tonight. Uh, we're going to be praying together. We're going to have communion together. We're going to sing together. Uh, we're going to study the Bible together. Uh, Calvary Aurora, our service times on Wednesday night is at 7 o'clock. We go through a different book of the Bible, verse by verse. We're in First Kings right now on Wednesdays. And on our weekend services, Saturday night at 6, uh, Sunday at 845, 1045, uh, we're in the book of John. Uh, so come on out. Go to calvaryaurora.org for more info. And we'll see you tonight, 7 o'clock. Doors open at 6. And I've got 30 seconds left, so I wasn't sure. So i got 30 seconds. We'll be there tonight. Can't wait to see you there. God bless you. May the Lord pour out His Spirit upon you. Thank you for listening to Calvary Live. Be sure to tell a friend about Grace FM.